You're listening to episode 172 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Well, in today's episode, we're continuing our look at the five masculine instincts by looking at the third instinct, ambition. Shakespeare described the third stage of man as a warrior, quick to quarrel, given to strange oaths, and determined to change the world. He's a man of ambition. But ambition can be a perplexing experience. One minute ambition swells us with a sense of divine calling and optimism, and the next it leaves us discouraged and disillusioned. Nowhere is that experience more clear than in the life of Moses. Moses' life was driven by ambition, both in its success and also its failure. Moses helps us understand the full range of ambition's drive, and Moses also helps us learn why rest is critical to checking ambition's pursuit. When I take the Five Instincts assessment, ambition is always my highest, so this one's both personal and I hope helpful for you as well. Thanks for listening. Well, Peter, it's good to sit down again, and we're uh, continuing our conversations through the five masculine instincts, and we've been working through the instincts. So far, knocked out a couple of them, and yep. brings us to the third one, which is ambition. Yep. Um, the chapter on ambition centered around the character of Moses, which maybe we have or haven't framed as a character of ambition, but something we can get into. So. Yeah. Now, I'm particularly excited about this one. I mean, all of them are very, very good, but I think just because so many people are familiar with the story of Moses... But especially the subject of ambition with men, I think, is a really important topic. So let me just open it first by just saying, in general, is ambition good or is it bad? Like all of the instincts we've been discussing, um, it can be good and it can be bad. So, yeah. I mean, clearly, like you would never want to say, I would like to create an ambitionless generation of men, yeah. <laughs> right? right? Men with no ambition. Uh, I mean, it that has would be been, quite depressing. Yeah, it's <laughs> been the ambition of men and women that have shaped you know, our history and yeah. given us so many of the things we're grateful for. And yeah. God has used people yeah. with ambitions throughout the Bible and throughout church history. And so yeah. I'm in no ways against ambition, yeah. but there are ranges of ambitions and yeah. ambition can do things within us that can go unrecognized and we can yeah. just keep calling ambition. And yeah. one of the things I often see within myself is, um, you know, if you have something you're working on a book or a business or um, there is the work in front of you that needs to be done. Yeah. And then there is work that you find yourself trying to do that you really have no control over. Yeah. Uh, and oftentimes I'll recognize I'm not working on the thing I actually can do. I'm working out of a sense of desperation to make something happen that I actually don't have that much control over. Striving. And so ambition can actually sour on you. It can, yeah. it can turn and transform into desperation inside of you. And if you're not careful, you can just keep calling it ambition and yeah. you can keep saying, I'm just an ambitious person. And when other people call you on it, they just don't have the ambition. They don't have the vision that I do. They don't see what I'm after. Yeah. And you have to be really honest with yourself about, is that an ambition which God has given you to sustain you in yeah. that work toward it? Or yeah. is it really a desperation that suddenly is consuming you and yeah. making you a desperate and sometimes bitter and judgmental and frustrated person? Yeah. Well, you speak to, you know, the, the character of Moses, you know, and we'll get to that here in just a second, but there was one um, quote that I'm going to pull out that I, I just thought was so perfectly articulates this idea. Ambition is like that syringe of life-saving medicine it takes a wise doctor to understand understand its proper dose. Too much may kill just as quickly as too little, but just enough can preserve a life. You want to expound on that a little bit? Because I just, I that is, 
I mean, that's one of the ones you put on the wall, right? I mean, that is a, that well, is a, it's my that, own experience that is an out, but it is an outstanding definition and it brings in a really good kind of visual of that. Yeah. What it's trying to say is it's not just enough to have ambition or not have ambition. Yeah. Really, you have to be able to be objective and be able to recognize how to handle your ambition. That's yeah. the skill set we need as men, yeah. not just great. You're ambitious. Have at it. Or, yeah. you know, Hey, maybe you could get a little more ambition in your life. Yeah. It's really. Are you able to see, to be objective, and to handle your ambition in a healthy way? Yeah. Which is, as we're going to get to, it's really the, one of the main questions of Moses's life. And yeah. you may not see that initially, but the more time you spend with Moses, the more yeah. you, like so often is the case with ambition, you begin to recognize it is this back and forth, this success and failure, yeah. the sort of belief and the discouragement that yeah. sometimes exists simultaneously in people of ambition. It's that thing within Moses yeah. that's constantly sort of rumbling there beneath the surface. Yeah. Well, let's just jump right in. How do you see Moses as a character of ambition then? So it's easy to sort of assume he's an ambitious character. I mean, Moses is the leader who confronts Pharaoh and leads an yeah. entire nation of Israel yeah. out of slavery. He's yeah. the one who founds the entire yeah. relationship and covenant between God and Israel. He's the one that takes them all the way to the edges after 40 years of wandering uh, to the edges of the promised land. I mean, he's like the quintessential leader, right, of Israel. Yeah. So it's easy to say, like, Moses, leader, ambition, like those must all fit together. But I think you see it in actually more personal ways for Moses. Moses too. Um, there is that moment early on in Exodus where Moses, even though he's been raised in Pharaoh's palace, goes out and sees his Hebrew brothers being enslaved and beaten. Yeah. And it's interesting, number one, that he goes out looking at that. Like yeah. there's something he's identifying with. And in that moment, he decides, he looks around and seeing that there's no one around, he interjects himself into their suffering and he murders one of these Egyptian slave masters mm -hmm. and buries the man in the sand. We don't know. Exodus is not explicit. It's ambiguous about what was motivating him to do that. Mm -hmm. You could come up with, it was a moment of passion. It was a moment of identification with their suffering. But in Acts, we read that in the early church, at least, they associated that action with Moses's belief that if he acted, the nation of Israel might rally behind him as mm -hmm. their leader and he might free his people. That there mm -hmm. was actually, by their estimation, a real moment of ambitious action that was motivating him. And the ancient Jewish people also had a sense of connecting Moses with ambition. And one of the midrashes, one of the Jewish teachings or commentaries on Exodus, there's a story. It's not scriptural, you know, but it's, it's used as a way of framing the character of mm -hmm. Moses. And they tell a story about Moses as an infant sitting on the lap of Pharaoh and that as an infant, he reached up to grab the crown that was on Pharaoh's head. And Pharaoh's advisors were shocked by it because they took it as an omen yeah. that in adulthood, he would take he the would crown from the crown. Pharaoh. Yeah. So Pharaoh wow. loved Moses as a sort of adopted son. So mm -hmm. they decided to put him to a test. And these advisors set before Moses as an infant, a bowl full of jewels and a bowl of hot embers. And the idea was, if he reaches for the jewels, we'll know he's a child of ambition. If he reaches for the embers, we'll know that it was just coincidence. He saw yeah. a shiny object or something. So they set these bowls before him. And of course, Moses, as an infant, immediately reaches for the jewels. Yeah. And in the Midrash, uh, it says, an angel came down and took his hand and moved it to the coals. And Moses picked up a coal and touched it to his lips, which is, of course, the thing that made him slow of speech that he describes later on in the biblical text. Again, not not saying that that story is a part of scripture. It's not, but it characterizes the way mm -hmm. that many in the Jewish faith thought mm -hmm. of Moses during yeah. that time, which was as 
a person of ambition. And then in Acts as well, somebody who was acting out of the hope of ambition. So then let me ask you this then. I mean, we are hardwired then as men to have a level of ambition in our own lives though, right? I mean, God created us to be ambitious, didn't he? And would would you agree? Nothing in those stories says that Moses was somehow wrong or evil or sinful. Um, God doesn't even seem to judge the fact that he murders this Egyptian to try to kick off a revolution, but it doesn't work. That's really the point of the story. The point of the story is that it all backfires and his self-initiated act of ambition does not deliver the thing that he imagines it's going to. And then like so often is the case with ambition, Moses finds himself on the back 40 acres out in the wilderness as a shepherd for 40 years. And he must've just come to the conclusion, whatever that ambition was, is long gone. Like that's not a part. It just didn't happen. And I imagine had moments of being really down on himself over what he had lost and sacrificed for something that never panned out. Like anybody who has experienced failure and ambition, they know that sort of back and forth whiplash of unbelievable motivation for action and belief and vision. And then the next moment, the disillusionment and the failure and the discouragement yeah. and the I'm not enough. And I think you see that in those moments of Moses' life. So it's not, it's not saying that having ambition is wrong, yeah. but it opens a deeper question for us. When do you act? Yeah. Where does that ambition come from? Yeah. How are you framing where that ambition will lead you? It yeah. forces us into deeper questions along Moses' yeah. story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I even think in my own life, like just in general, you know, I read you know, passages that speak to waiting on the Lord and patience. But then also in James, he speaks to faith without works is dead. And so obviously context is absolutely essential. But I think sometimes, I mean, I even wrestle with that. It's like, okay, when do I step forward? When do I act in what I believe God has has assigned or called me to do in this moment, in this season? And then when do I wait back with patience and humility, you know? And so, but it's that act of that ambition you know, and so I, I just, I'm just saying personally, sometimes for me, like I, I wrestle with that. I think yeah. a lot of guys do. I think that's Moses's story and why Moses's yeah. story is so wrong. And it's not just those two moments, even as he's leading the people, um, through the wilderness, you have moments where he yeah. seems, his ambition seems to be remarkably good. I mean, at yeah. one point he offers to step in and be sacrificed to yeah. spare the people. He intercedes yeah. for them. And then yet you get to this moment yeah. where, God says, and this is the temptation of, this is, I think, the thing you watch for in your own ambitions. God says to Moses, you know, go speak to the rock and produce water for that grumbling, complaining people yet again. And Moses, after all these years, has had it. And he goes, and what does he say? He says, must we deliver water from this rock for you? And then strikes the rock. He not only disobeys, that's part of it. But really the thing is he begins without God's permission to identify himself no longer as one of them, but yeah. as he speaks with God. Yeah. And that's the tendency of ambition is yeah. that it, it ends up distorting our view on yeah. everything, but the thing it's after. Yeah. Um, I quote in the book, one of my favorite books of all time is a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the yeah. German pastor that yeah. stood against Nazism was actually by yeah. order of Hitler himself executed right before the end of the war. Yeah. Uh, but he wrote a book called life together. Yeah. And in it, he has this shocking statement, particularly for the way we framed, you know, church leadership and yeah. we think of leadership and ambition, yeah. where Bonhoeffer says, God hates visionary dreaming. Uh, he hates us sitting down and just imagining and visioning the things who could come. And it, he goes on to explain why. Bonhoeffer writes I was going to say, that, please explain, because yes. that's not very popular in Western that's culture. That's what we're supposed to do, right? <laughs> Everybody's so like, are we going to do It's not now? just that he says, if you ever have a dream or sure. a vision, oh, you've yeah. sinned. He says, because the vision can make the man proud, yeah. 
And before long, he starts making demands of everyone else. Wow. And then he starts making demands of God and finally becomes the accuser and judge of himself. Wow. And wow. what Bonhoeffer is saying is the tendency of ambition, of mm-hmm. this sort of dreaming of what's possible, and particularly that does not include God or an interest in God, but just this vision of what things could be, you start expecting everyone else to fall in line with your vision. Yeah. You start getting frustrated at people because wow. they're not fulfilling your oh, that's vision. That's good. That's then good. you start, there's, these are steps. Then you start, but you see this with Moses, the yeah. frustration of the people. Yeah. Then you start to get frustrated at God. You yeah. start, God, why haven't you fulfilled this? Why haven't you been good to me? You become judge of God. Wow. And then the final stage is you become judge of yourself and you yeah. begin to feel so discouraged and so beaten up and I'm, it, I'm not capable. I'm a failure. There's nothing yeah. good I can do. And the whole thing just unravels around yeah. you. So I think we should be honest enough to say, yeah. great, have visions. Great. Be ambitious. But you better become like that skilled surgeon who knows exactly the, yeah. the drug that is in your hand yeah. because you use it wrong and it has a tendency to yeah. really, really not just destroy you, but yeah. so often the people you lead and the people you love. Yeah. Well, and you kind of answered my question, which is what are the consequences of an unchecked ambition? You kind of walked through that. You know, any other examples you want to elaborate on what happens when we have unchecked ambition in our lives? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, Moses, because of that, the consequence for Moses is that God won't allow him to enter the promised land, Yeah, which we can talk a little, we can dig a little bit more. I mean, his death was kind of abrupt and it's just like, okay, moving on. I mean, (laughs) I opened the chapter talking about it because he dies on Mount Nebo. Probably. I mean, if you go to Mount Nebo today, you can see the entire promised land stretched yeah. out. You can see the Jordan. You can yeah. see across the Jordan into the promised land. You can yeah. see up towards Mount Hermon and the snows. And I mean, he's literally looking at yeah. that thing yeah. that for many ways, 80 years, all yeah. the way back to when he murdered that Egyptian, his life yeah. has been driven towards. Yeah. And in that moment, God says to him, because you lost perspective in wow. your ambition, I'm not going to let you go in with the people. Yeah. How he responds to that is pretty remarkable too. Yeah. So. No, I, I completely agree. So what are some potential practical ways then I would say that we can test our own ambition? Because obviously if it goes unchecked, there are severe consequences. Uh, But yet if it's rightfully checked and we're operating in the way and God designs it, I mean, it can be, it can be life changing, not only for ourselves, but for the people that we touch and the lives that we, you know, are so closely related to. So what are some tests or ways that we can, (laughs) this is a strong one because I think ambition can be so, it it can get so strong strong that it's hard needs a strong check against it because it can become so all-consuming but for me the test is what would happen if you stopped yeah what would happen if you intentionally didn't fulfill all that you were capable of fulfilling yeah and i used to ask myself this is a really a very real question for me because i'm a pastor (laughs) there is there is no place like ambition in a pastor and because it can mix with calling and a sense of sacred work and real slowly your own ambitions can creep in there and you can make them sanctified and holy. And, and so I used to do this thing when I was, the church was very, very small. It'd be 30 or so people in this rented room that we had, and there was nothing, nothing glamorous about it. And I would sometimes, when I was really wrestling with this, not to say I don't now or won't in the future, but in the season, I was really wrestling with some of this. Is this my life work? Like, yeah. is this where my ambitions have led yeah. me? Is this my yeah. vision for a yeah. church? Yeah. I used to ask myself this question standing in front of the congregation. If this is all that it ever was, if I pastored these same 30 people yeah. for the rest of my life in this same rented room, when I get to my deathbed, will this have been enough? Yeah. And more often than not, 
I was honest enough to say, I know it wouldn't be like, yeah. I would find myself frustrated, yeah. but that at least opened the question to say, okay, so what is this other thing that I want more? And is that me yeah. or is that God's calling? It, it was an entry point for me to begin to start exploring maybe some of the things I've been calling holy ambition or vision yeah. is really just my insecurities, my need for a bigger identity, my need for success. Yeah. So I do think it is, it's hard to hear and say, but I do think your ability to stop, yeah. your ability to frame a future in which it didn't work yeah. and accept that future, your ability to say, because of my other commitments to God, family, people, I'm willing to not fulfill all of the things yeah. that my ambition and my vision has for me. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Even if you do fulfill all those things, that ability to square up and say, there's some things I'm going to check and intentionally stop. Yeah. I think it's an important part of testing out how much that ambition is actually controlling you. Yeah. So would you say then unchecked ambition can lead to an ideological selfish view of yourself then and really a false identity? Because, I mean, it leads you down a path that is really very selfish oriented. I mean, if you're- yeah, it's extreme. I think it ends up replacing God with yourself. Yeah. yeah. And you start yeah. thinking, you start framing how things should be and what they yeah. should be. And you start judging yourself and God and everyone around you. Yeah. It elevates you to the his place. Yeah. Judge. <laughs> the the sovereign yeah. uh, it you take you end up being absorbed in yeah. this vision you've had yeah. and you unable to receive the world and all of its grace yeah. in any other form but the one that you've yeah. picked you said earlier and to wrap up kind of the discussion on this chapter you talk about this idea of stopping resting mm -hmm. sabbath talk about that cuz that i mean our culture we struggle with that i think i think even in the last few years i think it's been uh, discussed i think there's been a really good honest dialogue that's really emerged within the church and just this idea of slowing down. Mm -hmm. um, but that's obviously biblical. I mean, on the seventh day, God rested. So unpack that a little bit more in the importance of Sabbath rest and just completely stopping and why that's yeah. essential. Well, what could God have created if he had worked one more day on the seventh? Like, yeah. what would we have in the world that might exist if yeah. he had said, that's you know, I'm going to fill that last day. Yeah. But what the Sabbath does is it stops yeah. and it, it, we, what, we often think of Sabbath as, the way it gets unintendedly or sometimes intentionally uh, communicated is a kind of life hack. Yeah. Like if I take one day off and yeah. rest, I'm going to be more productive those other right. six days. Yeah. So we use Sabbath as a tool to get more done. Yeah. I think you should frame Sabbath as a tool to intentionally get less done. Yeah. If I take one day off, yeah. there's a seventh of what I'm capable of doing yeah. that will not ever happen. Yeah. And how do I come to terms with that being okay? Because as a believer, yeah. God is at work even when I rest. Yeah. What could God have created on the seventh day that might be incredible? Like, yeah. you know, look at what we got in six days. What yeah. what might exist in the world if he had worked one more day, but he didn't yeah. and it's yeah. enough? Yeah. What could I do if I worked seven days more? But am I able to say, this is enough? Like yeah. that's a really, for people of real ambition to say, yeah. I will only ever accomplish six sevenths of what I'm capable of accomplishing in this yeah. world is a real test on how much of your ambition is desperation yeah. versus actually God given and led by him. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this as a pastor, like, so I'm a, I go to your church and I say, okay, pastor, what are some things that I could do? And I know the subject and the title of this is ambition, but let's talk a little, just one more question mm -hmm. on rest and Sabbath. What are some things that I can do like to be more active in the way that I, you know, 
partake in Sabbath with my family? What, what, what are some practical steps? Because I think that's very, very helpful for all of us. Yeah. I mean, well, number one, I mean, like I'm going to say, make a commitment to a community, you yeah. know, be a part of a service. Yeah. I think that's that the rhythm of that is important. Yeah. Um, I think being present with those people. I mean, yeah. we try to do some turn the phones off at certain yeah. times and everybody be present, be together. But really, I think every family, I'm less concerned that we have a list of ways that you implement it because sure. I think families will find those. If you can square up in your brain, yeah. I'm going to intentionally do less than I'm capable of doing. Yeah. And I'm not going to take the Sabbath so that I can make something else happen by yeah. it. But I'm going to, as a family, we're going to specifically say we could make more money. Yeah. We could do more things. We could build bigger things, yeah. but there's going to be a part of our lives that isn't framed in that category yeah. of do and get. There's yeah. going to be a part of our life that is framed in the category of just being and receiving. Yeah. And what does that look like for us as, as a person, but also as a family? Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. It's been a great discussion. I, I, this was one of my favorite chapters in the book. Yeah. Thanks. You yeah. and I are in the same yeah. age category too, yeah. where I see there's an assessment on the website you can take that scores it. Uh, and usually in our age bracket, oftentimes ambition is the top yeah. one. Like yeah. Shakespeare predicted, we're sort of yeah. at that career stage where yeah. we imagine good things still ahead. That's right. And so That's keeping right. those in check is an important part of it. So. Absolutely. But Absolutely. reputation is right around the corner and that's yeah. the next one. So we'll get to it next. That's right. Well, we are officially less than one month to the release of The Five Masculine Instincts. If you haven't already pre-ordered a copy, you can do that anywhere you buy books. I've got some special pre-order bonuses going on you can learn about by going to thefivemasculineinstincts.com. And also, uh, if you've made it this far and maybe you're not into these episodes, you're wanting some more author interviews, don't worry, those are coming back, I promise. Uh, I actually started this week scheduling episodes for April and May and really the end of March. And so i uh, got some really, really good ones coming up, some uh, some books that I'm really looking forward to reading, and I'm going to have the chance to interview the author. So if you're interested in those, don't worry, those are coming back once we get to the launch of The Five Masculine Instincts. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>